What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm here with Carrie Hansen, uh, the VP of Marketing at Spiro. And she's going to be talking with us about branding today and why it's so important in the B2B space um, and sometimes overlooked initially. So, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So can you start us off by sharing uh, what what Spiro does and what you guys are doing in the B2B market? Sure. So uh, Spiro.ai, we're a small startup in Boston, we're actually, uh, we're trying to take a new approach for the salespeople um, who basically have been struggling with CRM, uh, Salesforce, over the last 20 years, and it just doesn't work. And so, you know, our view is instead of asking salespeople to do all of this manual data entry, we could create an AI-driven platform that does all of the work and acts like a, a secretary, if you will, and then provides some intelligent insights into where they should be focusing, which deals they should be focusing on, um, and moving that forward. And then it gives the, the sales leaders much more visibility. Very cool. Um, something you passionately disagree with is that branding is nice to have. We mentioned in the beginning here that we're going to be talking about branding. Um, and you've noticed that some companies, they think it's nice to have, or it just isn't as important as driving sales. Um, why do you think branding is an absolute must in B2B marketing? Yeah. So I think, you know, the challenge with branding is a lot of marketers think of it as, you know, the, the cool visuals, like what does your billboard look like? Do you have a, a television commercial? What does your website look like? Uh, what colors are you using? And I think branding is really a lot more. It's about the reputation of the company. It's about what do people externally think of you, their opinions. When they hear your name, do they go to something like Zappos where they, where they go instantly to, wow, they're, they're great at customer service, or have they never heard of you? And so, especially in the startup world, especially selling to um, small companies where you don't have a huge marketing budget, my view is that branding and Legion are, are two sides of the same coin, and you, you can't do one without the other. So let's back up just a bit here. In your own words, how would you define branding in the B2B space? I know you said it's not all colors, color schemes, your logo. It's more about what people think. How would you define it? Um, can you share that with our, our listeners? Yeah, I think branding is, is the perception that somebody gets from you. Um, from your company, from your employees, or their their instant opinion of you. And so it includes things like your messaging. How clear are you? If they come to your website, does it look professional? Does it look like you had your, your son who's in high school make it? You know, there's a very big difference. I think it's when you reach out to customers or prospects via email, does it come across and is it authentic to who your company is? Or does it seem like spam? And And it's it's very nuanced, I think, but I also feel like 
um, when you figure out what your brand is and what your brand story is, your, you know, clearly there is a look like these are our corporate colors. This is what we look like. This is what we want people to perceive when they see us. So for example, at Spiro, we're an AI platform. So our goal is when you look at um, our website, anything that we send out, when you talk to our company, we're clear, we're concise. We also are a values-driven company. We have a lot of um, values with our employees and that holds true to our customers and to our prospects. We want you to feel like you're talking to a person. When I email our, our database of, you know, a couple tens of thousands of people, it comes from my email. So if somebody thinks I'm spamming them, they can respond to me directly and I'll talk to them and be like, oh my, I, I didn't mean to do that. I, I apologize. Or, you know, you signed up for us. So that's why you're getting our emails. And I think that's very different than, you know, a company that, you know, may have bots sending out all these emails or it's coming from a marketing at email alias. Um, you know, like I said, the website, it can look nice, but what does it say? What's the story? What's what's the journey? How does a prospect come and, and work with you? And once they become a customer, how do you treat them? You know, some companies, they bring them as a customer and then they move on to their next prospect or is your brand something where you know you want to have value? You want them to know this is how we're going to help you. If you're unhappy, call us. If you're happy, call us. We want to hear both ways. And I realize this is a really long-winded short answer of what branding is, but to me, it's really, you know, it's it's the look, it's the feel, it's the perception, it's sort of the instant reaction that somebody has when they hear your name. That's what your brand is. Um, you know, it's sort of like if you're going to interview for uh, a new job, are you going to show up in what you mowed the lawn in or are you going to show up looking really good? And are you going to articulate your experience? And are you going to follow up and thank them? Are you going to be polite? Are you going to take your coffee cup in, and put it away? Or are you going to just be the slob and leave it out? It's all those little things, but that's your personal brand. Would you say, or would you argue that the more personal a company can get with their marketing, you mentioned the the personalized email they come from you, even to, though it's a list of 10, 20,000 um, subscribers. Would you say that the more personal you can get, the better brand you'll have in the long run? Or does it not always happen that way? I don't think, it's, I think it's more, the more authentic you can get. Mm. And so for us at Spiro, we sell to salespeople. We try to have a relationship with them. You know, we, we tell them don't spam people, don't call people, like build the relationship. And so, you know, we want to, to do the same thing. And so it makes sense. Why would we spam you? Why would, why wouldn't you have an email from me? If we email our customers asking for feedback, it comes from our CEO. If we send out the blog that he wrote, it comes from him. Like we're, we're people. Um, I think as you sell different types of um, products, it may not make sense that way, especially when you get to, you know, perhaps like in um, some security type of companies, like you, you may not put people's names out there quite as much, or as you get bigger, you might have to have a single, um, contact. Um, but I think it needs to be authentic to that company. And I think it needs to be authentic to what those prospects are looking for. Um, but I do think that there should always be a name on an email. And I also think, you know, what drives me crazy is if you go to a website and you can't find a contact us, it drives you crazy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at like the Comcast example, they, they go to extremes to hide their phone number. And people always talk about that on social media. And so I, I think, you know, for us, you know, our executive team is approachable. You can call any one of us. We want to hear from you. Uh, we're also a smaller company. And as you get bigger, there might be more layers, but there should be somebody and it should be authentic to that relationship that you're building. What's the best way you found in addition to the emails to stay authentic with 
your your clients, your customers, your users? What's the best way you found to do that? You know, I think that it it really comes down to um, if you hold yourself accountable. Um, and you know, sometimes you'll come up with these great ideas. Sometimes your great ideas are not so great. And if you can admit that to them, uh, you know, sometimes when you're selling a product like we do, the product is amazing and everyone loves it. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know what, that one it didn't hit the mark or, you know, we didn't educate you enough, or perhaps we need to work on um, fixing a couple more bugs. And I think just admitting that, you know, people understand that it's, it, they appreciate if you realize there's a problem and you'll fix it, or if you just ignore it. And so I think, you know, even in customer service um, and support, how you respond to people on um, social media, if they aren't having that relationship with your company that you think, you know, rather than just say, oh, you're wrong, actually hearing them and, and fixing them and admitting it um, or admitting where, you know, we, we could have done better. I, th I think that goes a long way. And I think that's the type of story that uh, when you look at these big branding success viral stories, it's always about somebody admitted, you know what, we, we didn't do right by you and we're going to fix it. And then they followed through and they fixed it. Yeah. So if someone was standing right in front of you right now and next to you was someone that was saying driving sales is more important and then obviously you're in the avenue of branding is most important from the start, building that foundation uh, for B2B marketing. What would be in a sentence your argument for starting with branding before anything else and really setting that foundation? Um, well, so if the question is, do you want to drive sales or do you want to do branding? My answer is yes. It's not an either or. So it's, you know, again, the branding, you don't have to go build this big, pretty website. If you're trying to drive sales, you know, you need to have a crisp message. You need to present yourself in a way that articulates the values for the customer, not your, your speeds and feeds of your product. And so, you know, like I said, it's the two sides of the same coin. If you want to go out and build lead gen, um, build the demand, you, how you do it, your branding is how you present that. And so your emails are are short and crisp. They have a strong CTA that gets somebody to say, yes, I want to talk to you. If it's a, you know, a campaign out on social media or, um, you know, retargeting ads, it gets them to click the button. And it, it could be a visual component. It could be a messaging component. It could be what whatever the offer is. But you you can't do one without the other. And I also think that if you do branding really well and it goes the whole um the, the whole cycle through your company, then you start having the branding effect where people write great reviews about you on G2 or Captera or all of these reviews and they come to you. People start seeing your ads and they actually come to you. They start Googling you. This is how, you know, SEO experts might disagree with me a little bit, but the more that you get your brand out there and people hear from you, the more that that organic search builds, yeah. it, you know, it's, it, it drives the demand and then it validates it. And if you ever have a customer that goes out on LinkedIn and says how great you are, mm -hmm. I, I will bet you anything that that drives more referrals than you putting out a really cool ad somewhere. A common problem we see in the B2B industry is companies maxing out their marketing teams because they attempt to handle their website in-house. We see this all the time. From redesigns to regular maintenance, we know it's easy for your team to drown in the amount of work it takes to keep a website updated, secure, and current with the times. And let's face it, working on a website isn't that fun. The worst part, hiring a full-time developer to handle that workload can cost over $100,000 a year. Here at OneClick Agency, we build websites for B2B companies for just a fraction of that cost. Whether your website is five pages or 355 pages, our US-based team of designers and developers can handle your website project with ease. 
If your team is totally capped and needs help with website maintenance or even a full redesign, visit OneClickAgency.com to get a quote today. Visit OneClickAgency.com so your marketing team can get back to doing what they love. OneClickAgency.com. What would you say are some of the consequences of not executing the branding side well from the beginning? And this might ring a bell with some uh, marketers that might not have been doing that, but what are some things that we should watch out for that are red flags? I think it, it, for me, it always comes back to being authentic to your company. And so, you know, a lot of marketers, they get sold, um, a bill of goods about, you know, have a really, really flashy website, but maybe the website doesn't work. And, you know, I, I'm sure you can appreciate that you can have a really good website that looks okay, or you can have a really amazingly beautiful website that sucks. Mm-hmm. And when people go to it and they can't find it and they get frustrated, they go away. You know, to me, it's it's very similar to, you know, buying a car. Like we sell SaaS. And I, I always say that this is like buying a car. Like when, when your prospect wants to buy a car, they do the first 90% of that research before they ever reach out to you. And if you've done your branding right, they will find you, they will hear about you, they will get the answers that they're looking for. And then they will come to you. And when they come to you, it will be in a way that they can find you and connect with you. And so they can come to your website, they can get all of their information, and then they'll say, I want a demo. If it doesn't happen the right way, you know, maybe they're trying to look for you, but they can't get somebody on the phone or they can't get an answer to something. They're like, I don't even know if you're in my price range. I don't want to talk to you yet. And that's where it starts getting really frustrating for them. And then finally, they'll be like, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of marketers, they focus on the pretty side when they hear branding and then they hide the important information and they frustrate their buyers to the point that they don't even know that they lost them because yeah. they never came to them in the first place. I see that all the time. And this, this is that example is something that I harp on quite a bit. If you have a really nice website with a terrible message next to a mediocre designed website with a great message, everyone's going to go to the one with the clear message every single time. Um, Every single time, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, it's going back to the website, which is basically, you know, it's the it's the front door, and you can have a you can have a really good website um, that works, and then you can make it shinier. And I mean, every every marketer wants to have that award winning website. I mean, we all do, but you can have a really good website, and then marketers muck it up with all these pop up ads, and that's yeah. you know, to me, I say, you know, that's like when you walk through the mall and those perfume. Um, I guess now you're not going to walk through a mall, but when, you know, at some point when you're walking through a mall again, the people selling the perfume that they come after you and they spray it on you, do you Mm -hmm. ever actually turn around and say, oh my God, that's an amazing smell. I'm going to buy that. Or do you get annoyed and you walk away? You know, to me, I think pop-ups have a, have a place on a website, but when you go to a website and you get five pop-up ads and then an exit intent, and, you know, I think this is what a lot of marketers who don't have a budget, they, they just are like, oh, well, if you come to my website, I'm going to keep catching you and make sure you give me your information probably what they get is a bunch of bob at gmail.com email addresses yeah. just to get those pop-ups away because it's annoying. But if you do it the right way and you're on the website and you're working through and maybe you've spent like two minutes on a specific page and then a pop-up comes up in a way that says, hey, how can I help you? And you actually have somebody that can answer that question. Mm-hmm. It, it continues the journey in a way that makes much more sense. And that's all branding. You know, that's sort of how, how do you interact with your customers? Are you in their face from the day one or are you trying to help them find what they need? And then when they're ready to talk, talk to them. Because not only are they going to remember the good things about your brand, there are some negative things that they'll remember as well. And that goes back to the consequences that we were talking about, right? 
Yes. And, you know, everybody knows they'll remember the negative much more than they'll, oh, yeah. they'll remember the, the positive. And when people ask them, they'll say, oh, I was looking at companies. But by the way, just to, just ignore that website. It's so spammy and they you can't, I can't get rid of them. You, know, <laughs> you don't, don't want to be that person. Yeah. What are some examples of B2B companies that you've seen um, that you've noticed are executing the branding side really well that we can go check out? Not steal ideas necessarily, but at least see what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, in marketing, it's not plagiarism, it's teamwork. I like there to you say, go. so, you know, go borrow some ideas. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was trying to think of some really good ideas and, you know, I was trying to think of like, what's the Zappos of B2B marketing? Because, you know, when Zappos, of course it was, it's B2C, it's a lot easier, but you know, they're, they're known for their customer service. And I think within industries, there's a lot of that. Um, I, I really like Gong, um, G-O-N-G. Um, they're they're also in the sales world. Um, you know, they're a, a very large company, so they have a lot of funds behind them. But the thing that I like about them is um, they feel very authentic um, with their brand. And you you are talking to a really big global company, but it also seems like you're talking to people. Um, and you know, a couple examples like I remember they sent out their privacy policy last summer, and they actually put the email. They put our lawyers are making us send you this really boring email. And you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like I actually read the email. Yeah. Um, there were a couple other ones where you know there was one. Um, I forget what the topic was, but I liked it so much I responded um, to the CMO, and you know we had a very short, you know, quick interaction, and then you know I follow him on LinkedIn now because I just I liked what he had to say, and I was like, you know what, I this has nothing to do with me, but as a marketer, I really appreciate this email, um, and you know I I just I I feel like if I needed to reach out to people at that company, I, I can figure out where to go, and I also think, you know, it, it's clean, it's crisp, um, the messaging, which you know. I tend to really appreciate. Um, I would hope people would feel that from Spiro. Uh, we've done a lot of work with our website to try to make it clean, get get you the information. You know, we we ungated everything, um, which you know marketers like to keep everything gated because then you have yeah. to give them their information. And as a consumer, I hate that. And I'm like, just I want to know if this is even relevant to me. And so, you know, at Spiro, we took the approach of we're going to give you all the information because it's good information. And when you like that information, you're going to talk to us. And so, um, you know, that worked really well for us. Um, we actually recently signed up for Breezy, uh, which is a, a hiring platform. Um, I'm actually not related to it, but since I own the website, I, I was added as a user. And some of their onboarding emails, um, I was just really impressed because, you know, it was very... They were very short. They weren't marketing. It was, hey, you know, you've been added. Here's a couple of things. And th they had some really good tips and tricks that it actually got me reading emails that I was, you know, I, I'm a, a serial deleter and unsubscriber. And I was like, wow, these are really crisp and clear. And um, it just sort of sucked me in a little bit, mm -hmm. um, which I always appreciate when somebody can do that. Yeah. You brought up uh, the ungating argument and you guys are doing it. Um, so that actually relates to branding as well. I guess it's something that people remember about you is giving away the content instead of hoarding it and trying to get an email address out of it. What has been the response for you guys when you did that? Well, I will say, so we we launched our new website with everything ungated uh, and then COVID happened and sort mm -hmm. of shifted the whole market. So it's sort of really hard to, to completely look at how things, um, but in the first month when we launched our website, it was the biggest marketing pipeline creating um, month in our company's history. Um, wow. I think that since then, um, our website traffic has held up. 
um, you know, we, we sell to salespeople and it's been a hard year for salespeople. So a lot of people we would normally be targeting have lost their jobs or they were furloughed, but our website traffic maintained, which to me says um, there's a lot going on with that. Um, they're still looking at um, maybe they're not ready to buy right now. Some of them were ready to buy right now, but we had, we actually added more content around why you should be selling right now, how to, you know, sort of trying to make it timely so that it's valuable to them. Um, and I think the ungating has helped us maintain their interest in us coming back to us so that when those salespeople are at another job or they're ready to buy, they're going to come right to us. Um, it's also um, right after the launch, it actually helped our conversion rates. Uh, which is counterintuitive. This is what marketers are like, oh, I want to get that email. But for us, uh, a marketing qualified lead is a demo request. So whether they give me their email information or not is not relevant. And, you know, frankly, right now, if I wanted to find their email, I could go find their email, right? That's scrape <laughs> it somewhere, right? <laughs> right. It's out there. So, um, you know, it, when you make that switch that your website's not about collecting um, leads and names, it's about collecting demo requests. Everything that we did was designed to drive them to say, you know what, I want to talk to you for 10 minutes. And so um, that's been really, really good for us. We were able to see some of our higher performing um, pieces of content that used to be gated. Um, now we can SEO the heck out of them because they're not gated and it, we're seeing an even bigger boost from that. And so I, I'll tell everybody, I mean, I understand if you have a 12 month lead cycle, uh, you're selling to like the global 500, it's a different story. But if you're selling to SMBs or, or mid-market companies, let the content go, just put it out there. Um, you'll get more people to your website. And if you have a compelling um, call to action, they will come. So before we go, I want to touch on on this because this is something that drives me nuts as well. Um, you, when we were talking about you know what we're going to go over today, you mentioned that we need to stop listening to self-proclaimed LinkedIn quote experts. Um, I'm 100% with you, but can you explain why we need to stop doing that? Because I think a lot of people still do, and uh, it's probably going to hurt them in the long run. Yeah, you know. I think, especially in marketing, I feel like marketers were our own worst enemy, where there are a lot of self-proclaimed experts on LinkedIn. And I want to be very clear that people who have, you know, a lot of experience in building websites like you do, or, you know, I've done, I've built brands for a company and IPO'd it and then like rebranded another company. I feel like if you ask me for advice, I could give you very specific examples of what works, what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of great people like that in marketing on LinkedIn, and I, I see a lot of value. But then there's also somebody who has never done it, but they have a lot of opinions, or they'll read some great blogs, and they come out with some really pithy comments on LinkedIn, and they build up this big following, and, and everyone goes to them like they're the experts, but they haven't actually done anything. Um, and it drives me crazy. And I think those are the, the types of people who, you know, 10 or 20 or not 20, 10 or 15 years ago, were telling everybody, well, everybody's on Facebook. You should be spending your money on Facebook. And suddenly you had all of these small business marketing people putting a lot of money into Facebook only to find out that, you know, their prospects in the B2B space don't want to talk to you on Facebook. They're looking at their grandkids' pictures or their cousin's pictures. And so they wasted a lot of money. Um, but they just threw out that, that advice with no facts to back it up. And I, I, I worry that, especially now, while people, everyone's remote and everyone has more time on LinkedIn, the people who are clearly trying to build more followers on LinkedIn for the sake of having the followers mm -hmm. are spewing advice that there might be some interesting nuggets, but I, I don't think it should become you know, sort of the law of the land to a marketer. And I think if you're looking to get smart on marketing, 
following those people, you're going to, you're going to have a really rough go. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is if someone has to say they're good at something for you to know it, um, you might want to steer clear, look for the people that are just putting the stuff out there. They don't have to say, Hey, we're the best at, uh, building websites or, um, branding, listen to the people that have been doing it and you'll see it. You'll see it. They don't have to brag about it. Um, because that's all they have is, is the bragging side, but uh, definitely agree with you there, Carrie. So um, can you just tell us where we can actually find you on LinkedIn before we go here? Um, because I'm sure people are going to want to follow you and reach out and see what you have going on. Uh, sure. I'm on um, LinkedIn um, as Carrie Hansen, K-A-R-I-H-A-N-S-O-N. Um, and I think I'm, I think I'm the only Carrie Hansen on there. Um, <laughs> so it should be pretty easy to find, I think. Hey, everybody, before you go, thanks a ton for listening to the podcast. We would love it if you dropped us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It'll only take you about four seconds. Last thing, if you're in marketing or you simply love it and want to learn more, subscribe to our email list today. You'll get weekly podcast updates as well as a solid marketing tip delivered right to your inbox. So if you want that tip sent to you every single week, subscribe today at oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast. That's oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast, and you'll get marketing advice that you can apply to your company right away. Oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast.